0: Welcome to the Health Design Podcast. Here's your host, Moyez Jiwa.
1: My guest on the podcast today, Dan Drydock Shockley, has a rare genetic syndrome which leads to bowel cancer. In this conversation, he describes his journey with that condition and how he, as a patient, has navigated that on behalf of the healthcare system. Here is Dan Drydock Shockley. Dan, I'm honored to spend time with you today. And I'm intrigued by your name. Dan Drydock Shockley. What's the Drydock bit all about?
2: Good question. Well, I spent 22 years in the U.S. Navy. Seven ships I was assigned to during my career. And three of those ships deployed to the Persian Gulf. But two of the ships in my career were uh, actually in dry dock the uh, we had to do extensive work on the two different ships uh, that were in required them to be in dry dock and so fast forward to my life after i retired from the navy i wanted uh, to to just kit further inland away from the water so i you know my life Especially now having a hereditary colon cancer syndrome and the the two major surgeries I've uh, underwent, I just look at my life as uh, I'm in dry dock, you know away from the water and you know just getting the required medical care that I need. So it's just a fun it, it flows I mean there's a there's a little bit more to it than that, but it's just a good way for us retired sailors retired military have a handle and you know it's a good conversation piece just like we're uh, just like we're talking about now
1: now I want to start exactly at that point because as a military person as a person in the navy you would have kept yourself in peak condition because you are on active duty is that right
2: oh absolutely yeah, active duty 22 years on active duty yeah you have to be mentally uh, sound and um you know, mind, body, and spirit, you know, you've got to be ready, plan for the worst, hope for the best. And you never know where you're going to go. You never know what you're going to face, what you're going to, um, you know, come against. And you just, you know, it's meant—it's a preparation that the Navy and the military in general, they prepare us, you know. So when we are put in harm's way, I don't know. Like I, I was in the Persian Gulf on three ships. Uh, throughout my career, different uh, times, and you know, a lot of times you're sleeping with one eye open because you just don't know if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna encounter anything out there in the Persian Gulf or, yeah, mental, mental preparation is uh, very, very important, and that experience or those experiences equipped me to be able to face adversity both professionally and personally. Once I um, was diagnosed with uh, the hereditary colon cancer uh, syndrome that I had. And that's been 10 years, 10 years last week is when uh, when I was diagnosed.
1: So you would have kept yourself in peak condition and you would have had to stay alert to all the possible ways in which you could maintain your health and well-being. And I dare say that extended into your physical well-being. So it's not possible, for example, that you could have ignored symptoms over the course of any length of time. You would have investigated anything that might have cropped up. So the diagnosis of familial polyposis coli would have come as a shock to you.
2: Well, actually, I suspected something. Just uh, no pun intended. My gut, my gut feeling. You know, when I had I scheduled my colonoscopy, I knew when I turned fifty, I was in a it was uh, highly recommended to have a colonoscopy, and you know, there's no family history, and and uh, so I just knew it's it's the right thing to do. In the military, we have exams, physical examinations every year. And when I retired, I have the Veterans Administration healthcare system that uh, do physical exams on me every year. So when I, you know, I retired when I was 43, and I turned 50. I scheduled the colonoscopy, and The findings of the colonoscopy, they revealed 100 polyps embedded throughout my colon, rectum, and anus. My GI doctor, at the time I was living in Hawaii, and my GI doctor at the VA, he suspected that I may have a condition that's going to require further evaluation. So he he referred me to a certified genetic counselor at Triple Army Medical Center, and we discussed what they thought that I have. they being my GI doctor and my certified genetic counselor. So they suspected that I had what's known as FAP, familial adenomatose polyposis. That impacts less than 1% of the global population. I had no symptoms, I was asymptomatic, no family history. We had to do germline DNA testing, and the results of the DNA test would not be coming back for uh, anywhere from three to six weeks because the lab that conducts that type of a test is in Pasadena, California. So they had to send the sample from Hawaii to California. And the molecular oncology lab I had the findings in six weeks. They revealed that I had attenuated FAP which is estimated to impact less than 0.03% of the global population. So I was able to read about the mutation they thought I had during the time I was waiting for the results to come back. And then I also was reading about the type of surgery, a total proctocolectomy with an ileostomy, and then a life after surgery with having a permanent ostomy. So being a military mindset, I broke it down into three phases and I wanted to learn as much as I could about the mutation, then read about the type of surgery, and finally, what it would be like to live with an ostomy. Now, of course, this is all theory because the practical application would be after I uh, had the surgery.
0: You are listening to the Health Design Podcast with your host, Moyes Jiwa.
1: So you've gone on since this diagnosis was made to talk particularly about how people can avoid this situation or prevent themselves becoming ill to the extent that the diagnosis is not made. What are your thoughts around that?
2: Well, yeah, it's a very important uh, question. I had discussions with my medical team, my primary care doctor, my GI doctor, as well as my certified genetic counselor and my colorectal surgeon about this. Uh, but over the years, I just knew that you know you have a discussion with your medical team, you have a discussion with your family as well to make sure that you're, you know, I'm not missing anything. And so we'd had no idea, you know, no family history. So I was mentally preparing myself. You know, I embraced. My diagnosis from the onset, you know, my, my mindset is I tend not to think about things I'm unable to control, such as medical issues. What I can control is my positive attitude. And after five decades on God's green earth, my positive attitude has brought me this far. Why change now?
1: So what would you say to people who are in the position of not suspecting anything, they're getting to the age when your diagnosis was made, in terms of prevention and in terms of of how they could make it possible for you to get the best possible outcome.
2: Yeah, great question. You know, have a discussion with your family members. You know, your close family. See if there's any family history, and uh, also the discussion with your medical team, your primary care doctor, and you know, whatever specialty uh, doctor uh, pertaining to what type of screening. And it's just overall awareness, you know. You the important thing is to uh, get to the diagnosis early, prevent it from, you know, uh, reaching uh, other parts of the body. And uh, I'm just a very informed individual. I'm not a medical professional. I'm just a very informed patient. I ask lots of questions. And once again, it goes back to my military. Background and my military experience—that you know—I know it's proper to have uh, have the, you know your eye exam, your eye um, examinations, your physical examinations on an annual basis, just to make sure that everything is uh, you know there's no underlying issues. So uh, that's the that's the message I would um, like to convey to those uh, listening is the. Uh, you know, have that discussion with your, um, your medical team, your, your family, and even some close friends if you know, you're in our circle. Have a discussion with them because it, it pays dividends, you know, in the long run if you just have it checked out and uh, monitor it.
1: It does. And one of the things about this particular cancer is that it tends to have no symptoms, which is why we do the screening at the age of 50. You Mm -hmm. had the screening at the age of 50. You said earlier that you had a gut feeling that something wasn't quite right. We can't rely on that gut feeling, can we, most of us?
2: No, 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 you can't. But that's why I had it checked out. I just, you know, I knew I was going in to have the colonoscopy. It's just that I wasn't taken back by the results uh, my GI doctor shared with me. and you know, requ- referring me over to a certified genetic counselor. Now, I didn't know anything about the mutation. I had no idea. I had to learn, you know, I was asking a lot of questions. I had a couple um, a couple surgeons I've been talking to uh, once they, uh, they suspected I had the mutation, and then several GI doctors and other medical professionals at the VA and as well as Triple Army Medical Center. So I was just asking lots of questions. You know, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I would write, I had a little, I had a notepad and a pen by my, by my bed and I would just write questions down. So when I did have an opportunity to either call or go see my medical team, I um, asked the questions and you know, I kept digging. I kept, I wanted reliable, credible resources to read about the mutation. I wanted to make sure I get the uh, the most uh, I don't it won't say up to date but relevant you know information about the mutation so that way I can better prepare myself mentally of course physically that would happen you know once I woke up from the surgery the first surgery and uh, I started my life you know having a permanent ostomy and you know it. Um, Like I said, mental preparation is definitely that, definitely helped, you know, make my journey a lot, I guess you could say, less uh, traumatic.
1: Yes, thank you for that. I'm really intrigued by this question of getting as much information as you could, making yourself as well informed as you could possibly be. How do you think that that helped you in this situation? Were you not being offered? information by doctors? Were they not anticipating what questions you might have?
2: No, they were anticipating. It. It's just that the the, the the interesting thing about this mutation is so rare that there's not a lot of information out there about it. So I was actually reading peer-reviewed publications. I, the mutation, the attenuated FAP, was discovered by the late Dr. Henry T. Lynch. And at the time, Dr. Lynch was the professor of, or the director of preventive medicine at Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. He was 86 years old when I was diagnosed and he was still practicing. Now, Dr. Lynch is the founding father of hereditary cancer research. Now, little did I know about him, nor did I know that my genetic counselor and colorectal surgeon were colleagues at Dr. Lynch, and had, they had known him for years. So little did I know, seven months after my surgery, Dr. Lynch came to Hawaii to do some academic lectures, and my genetic counselor invited me to attend one of those lectures, She personally introduced me to Dr. Lynch in private, and then after his lecture, we sat down, and for an hour and 50 minutes, we talked about my diagnosis and my surgery and then what life is going to be like with this mutation. So, you know, fortunately for me, having uh, access, direct access to the world-renowned leader or attenuated FAP, that that put me, I mean, I had closure on it right away, because he considered me a colleague through the years. Now, he passed away June 2nd of 2019. He was 91 and a half years old, and he was still going in, doing his hereditary cancer research up until a month before he passed away. So, as a result of having attenuated FAP, I end up, having uh, endoscopic procedures every nine to 12 months. And those procedures, they do biopsies, and I have the pathology reports. So I forward those over to Dr. Lynch for him to review, to give me his feedback and insight. So I once again had the, uh, the audience of the world's renowned leader of attenuated FAP and it's all, you know, it was all an absolute blessing that it all happened that way. And, you know, what I want to do for the rest of my life is to continue his legacy by uh, being a live case presentation for attenuated FAP, the importance of early detection in hopes of saving lives.
0: The Health Design Podcast is hosted by the Journal of Health Design, an alliance with unfixed media and mental health.
1: Dr. Lynch is well known in every part of the world. And in fact, as a medical educator, I talk to my students about Lynch syndrome. Thank you for sharing that with me. For most people, they will not have access to the world leader in whatever the condition they are experiencing. You, sir, did the right thing in the sense of you really did do your homework before you started on this road and throughout your journey. Is that something that you are promoting to our listeners?
2: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I would highly encourage. You know, the individuals to uh, their due diligence to learn as much as they can. And also, you know, if there's a family history, you know, with me, there was, I'm the only one. So I share everything with my siblings. I'm the youngest of my uh, sisters, four years older than me. My brother is 12 years older than me. All my maternal and paternal. Relatives have passed, as well as my parents. So it's only my first and second cousins, and as many as I can get a hold of through my family, my my siblings. I I share everything with them, and no one has any indication of the mutation, or no one has any colon problems whatsoever. And we'll just wait for our second cousins to get between 45 and 50 when they have their, their screening. And we'll see what happens. Now, Dr. Lynch did one of the many things he shared with me since there's no family history. He suspects that the mutation started with me. Now, we don't know because my parents passed away you know, many years ago. And there was no DNA testing back then, nor did we have any reason to believe, you know, reason for that DNA testing. So my ancestors, we have no idea. Now, the Shockleys originated in the UK. My mom is a Wilson, so they're from the north of the highlands of Scotland. And I just continue to share with my my relatives and see if anything comes up with my first and uh, second cousins, but I'm the youngest of all the first cousins. So actually, you know, I'm I'm going to be 62 this later this year. So attenuated FAP, what Dr. Lynch has shared with me, it's going. To, if you're going to have that new diagnosis, it's going to be between 50 and 55 years old. So I was right there in that window at 51. So um, I would wait to see. In, in my case, wait for my second cousins to, uh, like I said, get to the age where they're going to get their colonoscopies and see what happens. But, but I just, uh, you know, share my journey and, and just overall, you know, uh, um, mental preparation. Just to, regardless if it's a personal or professional uh, adversity we're facing, you know, um, maintain a positive attitude and you know do as much you know research to prepare yourself you know mentally and the, you know plan for the worst hope for the best i know that's easier said than done and i did have direct access like we mentioned earlier to uh, the world renowned leader dr lynch with uh, hereditary cancer research and i still collaborate with uh, some of his members at creighton university and i've expanded my advocacy opportunities, Uh, actually I just consider myself a live case presentation, for numerous uh, universities as well as numerous platforms globally to, to share on the importance of early detection and maintaining a positive attitude.
1: The really interesting thing about your story, Dan, is that you, the patient, are driving The care from which your entire family will benefit. You have the information. You've sought out the family members who might have been impacted by this. You say that it is likely that you were the start of the mutation for this particular condition. However, it is possible that it may have come from somewhere else. But in generations gone by, we wouldn't have had this amount of information, this amount of genomic follow up. And the interesting thing, as I say, is that the follow up is being done by you, the patient, and that's what's going to make a difference in your case and in many other cases where it's the patient that drives the healthcare system to deliver the best possible care.
0: The Journal of Health Design Fostering collaboration, amplifying the voice of health advocates, growing a network to improve outcomes in healthcare.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I just, there's a lot of medical professionals, GI doctors, and you know, primary care doctors that uh, I talk with over the years that know very little about this. And I actually, I carry a binder with me when I go into a medical setting, and it has my history. It's a, it's a rather large binder right now. It's up to fifty some pages, and I carry it with me. In fact, I had it with me when I went to see Dr. Lynch, and um, he reviewed it. You know, he was looking at, uh, here's my, you know, I carry my DNA test results and all the imaging that they did during their endoscopic procedures. So I carry this with me. And, you know, the interesting thing, this mutation, it will and has manifested in other organs. So as a result of my routine surveillance, which would be, Every nine to 12 months. The last surveillance I had was that right before I had another surgery. A year ago last month, I was accepted at Stanford University Hospital to undergo a surgery to spare my pancreas from this mutation from reaching it. And if you're familiar with a surgery called the Whipple procedure, well, the surgery I had was a newer technology in the last 20 to 25 years called a pancreas sparing duodenectomy resection. So what we had to do, uh, we found, it was in September of 2020, my endoscopic procedures revealed a three centimeter adenoma in my jejunum, about 10 centimeters into my jejunum. And my GI doctor at Palo Alto VA Hospital in uh, the Bay Area here in California. He recommended that I consider surgery and he shared with me the type of surgery. And I asked him, well, what would be your recommendation on what facility? Because there's only a handful of facilities of medical centers in the US that can perform such a delicate uh, surgery. And he mentioned MD Anderson in Houston, Johns Hopkins in Maryland, Baltimore, Maryland. And he also mentioned Stanford University. Well, I'm at the VA hospital in Palo Alto, which is two miles away from the Stanford campus. And I, he mentioned that there's a surgeon at Stanford that has performed this type of surgery on a couple of my doctor's patients, my GI doctor. And I said, well... I would want to go to Stanford because you know that way we're we're real close by, and if this surgeon is he's one of the nation's leading pancreatic cancer surgeons. Now I didn't have pancreatic cancer. However, if I wouldn't be going in for my routine endoscopic procedures, that three centimeter that three centimeter adenoma would uh, it could have we don't know it could have it was you know uh, expanded you know. Uh, spread further within the body. Now, that three-centimeter uh, adenoma was not there the previous endoscopic procedure. So I got accepted at Stanford, and my surgeon, I had a couple meetings with him, and we had the surgery. It was successfully performed April 8th of last year. I spent 20 days in the hospital and that surgery was a tough one that was a real tough one and the surgery was successful it's just the way my body reacted you know and, you know waking up from the surgery it just uh i ended up having to stay in for 20 days uh, but um you know i made it through i pushed through it was there were a lot of difficult very difficult nights and a lot of uh, almost sleepless nights but um You know, I I was concerned. I wasn't worried because I knew I had the best care possible. And this is, you know, the surgery was because it was uh, preventative. Going back to my military experience, it allowed me, it afforded me the opportunity to push through this and continue to maintain a positive attitude and continue to ask lots of questions.
1: Dan, it does sound like your military training did prepare you for The real battle, which was the battle that you've had with this illness and your ability to prepare and to think ahead as to what might be the best possible option. Thank you so much for sharing your story with our listeners. It is great to see you looking so well. It's been a joy spending time with you. Be well and let's speak again very soon.
2: Thank you very much, Moise. I appreciate it. And good day.
0: The Health Design Podcast, serving patient and physician advocates. Visit us at journal of healthdesign.com.